0: Well, welcome to Give Me One Reason podcast. Today I'm here with my number one son, meaning firstborn, but number one, Ryan Price. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. This is kind of a flagship thing, uh, beginning <laughs> for us. You and I talked about this a couple years ago. Do you remember that?
1: I do. Well, you mentioned it earlier, and I vague recollection of it at best, but... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I remember asking you, I, or you said, you and I should do a podcast sometime, Mom. I think it was when you were, uh, you know, giving me podcasts to listen to, when you kind of came out to me as an atheist, and you're like, Mom, listen to this, and listen to this, and, ugh, it was hard, but I I did listen to a lot of it, and, um,
1: but... I, I think I've always been more open to... Sharing that with you mainly because a I knew I have nothing to lose by sharing this mm. with you. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, our relationship isn't going anywhere. Absolutely. And second of all, you would you you were, you you respect my um, my curious nature, I guess. So mm. you would take what I had to say seriously, as opposed to just. Chalking it up to, you know, you're in a ridiculous state in your life right now. Mm-hmm. Eventually or rebellious or something. Yeah. yeah. So you would actually consider yeah. what I had to say in, mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, maybe others might not. Mm-hmm. So. Um,
0: well, I'm glad you feel that way, that I would do that, because I've always respected that about you. You're a thinker, definitely. But I remember when you first said, hey, mom, maybe we should do our own someday. I remember saying, okay, Ryan, but we'd have to have rules. Do you remember that?
2: I do, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) that that does actually remember. Yeah,
0: and I said, like, you can't make me cry, (laughs) and you can't be a jerk, and hurt my feelings. And you said, Mm -hmm. no, Mom, it wouldn't be genuine then. There's got to be no rules, no hope. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we, we would just be doing... Well, the whole point of of putting this down and in memorializing this conversation in a, any kind of a recording is to really get a feel for where we're at, and genuinely understand where we're coming from, and mm-hmm. to pull any punches in that way. I don't think would be mm-hmm. doing. It would be a disservice to any listener that would be, or even ourselves in the future when we look back on this.
0: And I get that now. I do. And actually, I haven't cried about you being an atheist for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at first, it was really hard for me. And I felt so challenged, um, which is weird, because like, we homeschooled all those years. I always wanted you to think for yourself and be a critical thinker.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but I guess only when it agreed with what I taught you, you know, if yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. It sounds really awful, but um, I meant well. But um.
1: Well, that actually kind of is, is one of the, what first got me into, what well, first got me thinking that there's just no good reason to think that there is a God at all in the first place. One of the things was, well, if God wants us to be, to use the intellect he gave us if he Mm -hmm. wants us to be critical thinkers in much the same way
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know I'm just basically extrapolating our relationship onto our relationship Mm -hmm. with God per se Mm -hmm. then if if using reason leads us to realize that there isn't any good solid evidence to believe in him well then obviously that intellect that we used was provided by the one who um so presumably put us here mm-hmm. and gave that to us so sort of like you don't give your kid a tool you don't want them to use mm. in much the same mm-hmm. way so it sort of seems like that uh, that's that logic that you felt about me you know wanting to use critical thinking skills as long mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. lined up well then you're not really using critical thinking skills fair enough you have confines mm-hmm. you know
0: and i have said to people other parents like me or, you know, other Christians and believers, if if the God I say I serve and love is going to condemn my son for using the brain that he gave him and for wondering or having doubts or asking solid questions, um, how is that fair? You know, like if I could handle your questions but God can't handle your questions, that doesn't really make sense to me, right. you know and um I get it I get I honestly get that you genuinely feel like it doesn't make sense to you I mean you've told me that before
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and um I think we've come a long way though in our relationship in respecting each other you might say you never didn't respect me about that or what what do you think
1: Yeah, I don't think it was ever really a question of respect. I feel like respect is, you might feel, if I don't, you know, if someone doesn't agree with your opinions, you might feel disrespected in a Mm -hmm. way, but I don't think that necessarily follows. You could have completely separate views, and as my Mm -hmm. mother, I can't imagine, you know, not respecting you unless you were to take those views in some dark, horrible, immoral direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only way I could see myself losing respect for you, per se. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: even if you have the most out there, unfounded views that, to me, have no basis in logic and reason, mm-hmm. I don't see how that would cause me to lose any respect for you. And so I, I've never really... That doesn't really resonate with how I actually see you. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like our relationship has ever been in jeopardy, even if we be- pull our opposites.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I definitely know it wasn't in jeopardy, honey. I get that, but I guess I just I used to feel so much more emotionally um, vulnerable when we talk about issues of belief, and
3: mm-hmm.
0: I was frankly broken hearted um, as a mother. I think not because. I thought you were going to hell or anything like a lot of Christian parents do think that when their children become atheists, their adult children or teenage children. Um, Because, you know, doctrinally, I haven't believed in the concept of hell for a very long time, probably almost 20 years. But I think I felt it was more personal. A lot of it didn't even have to do with you and your belief. I think a lot of it in retrospect had to do with I personally felt challenged because I was really proud of the way that I raised you, me and your father. I have to give him credit. I felt like we had a beautiful life in a really weird way, mm-hmm. you know, like we didn't have a lot of money, but we had an adventurous life and um I always look back on your childhood as being a wonderful thing so when and I realize it's my perspective, but I always th- assumed you did too, mm-hmm. and so when you Because our faith was such a part of your childhood and our raising our children, all five of you, I felt particularly challenged. When you challenged your faith and your belief system, to me, you were challenging my whole frame of reference for our family life and Mm -hmm. my life with you and my experience with you. Yeah. Um, Still to this day, I think of you almost every day I go to the grocery store, even though you live in Salt Lake City, because I drive by on House Street, Mm -hmm. um, the little house that you had to an Easter egg hunt at with your Sunday school teacher. And you came out and you told me that you asked Jesus into your heart. And I kind (laughs) of laughed because I drove by there and I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I'm reminded of that every time I go to Woodman's, you know? And um, I just, you know, I I just think there was so much of our life that was so faith-based. And it was such an integral part that for you to separate that part out now felt really like you were reneging on your life and wish it didn't happen that way.
3: Yeah.
0: When at the time, I honestly did what I knew to do. I raised you, my your, me and your dad intentionally raised you the best that we knew with our frame of reference and our belief system, train up a child and the way you should go. I mean, we took it all very seriously.
3: Yeah.
0: And we never condemned you with it or you know i don't remember i don't believe you grew up with the fear i grew up with i grew up you know if you die tonight you're gonna go to hell and walk that aisle and yeah it felt really organic with our children Mm -hmm. um
1: well i think the to me it was uh, there our childhood was great and i can i don't have any less of a less fondness for those mm -hmm. memories than you do, but it was in spite of the religious aspect, not because of it, that we mm-hmm. had such a good, we would have had a good upbringing. We had to have the same quality of childhood, I believe, if you replaced the faith aspect with any other type of community you could rally around. Let, let, let's say our we family was just super into sports or mm-hmm. stamp collecting, for mm-hmm. example. We, you know, we, if you guys, Brought us up as diehard stamp collectors, and teaching us about the most valuable stamps we could look for, and mm-hmm. you know, at some point I come out of this Easter egg hunt, and mom, 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 I just found out about this stamp, mm-hmm. and blah blah blah, and it's really mm-hmm. important, and blah, blah blah, and you're just praising me for, oh, well, that's so great, honey, and whatever, whatever it was that we rallied around as a family was just sort of a all it, all it did is add structure. Add, hmm. add add some color to the walls that were already up there in place because hmm. you and dad had common goals of wanting to raise mm-hmm. happy, healthy children mm-hmm. and giving us everything that we would need to become happy, successful parents and adults in the future. And so I don't think that you can really chalk up to faith being... to To say that faith was... Why we had a good childhood is mm-hmm. taking credit from yourself that mm-hmm. you entirely deserve because you deserve to take credit for that. You can't say, well, you know, it was it was God that ended up... The, my kids ended up the way they did because of God. It's really because of you, mm-hmm. because of Dad, because of your combined efforts.
0: I appreciate that. And I, I have learned in the last decade or... Actually I learned, well, can we go back a little bit? The way I raised you and Michael, I really <laughs> when you were younger, I really felt like I was doing the right thing, right? You no know, Ninja Turtles. Remember when Vicky got you yeah, that tin pizza thrower and it was like, Oh my god, I don't know if I can let my children have this ninja turtle pizza thrower machine, but she paid twenty dollars and she was broke and it was a gift and I didn't know how to say no. So, you know, I uh was really strict, remember, only gospel bill videos and yeah. and um uh, the Care Bears had New Age symbols on their belly, and it was that shitty book I read, The Turmoil in the Toy Box, okay? And it was awful, and all these Christian parents got it, and they threw out all their kids' Cabbage Patch dolls and, you know, He-Man, and I had a great theology, though, why, like, He-Man was bad. I wasn't right. going to let you watch the He-Man. I thought it was a different spin on typical, okay? It wasn't because it was demonic and he turned into anything demony, which is what the typical stance was. I didn't want you to think that evil was as powerful as good.
3: Mm.
0: And He-Man, to me, seemed like evil forces combat, you know, positive forces, and whoever works hard, you know, wins. It's a struggle. I wanted you to always believe that good was better and always won over bad. You know, like God was always Mm -hmm. bigger than the devil type thing. You know what I mean? Not whoever prayed hard enough won or whatever, but... I don't know. Job would have agreed with you. Yeah, I yeah, you know. That's true. It probably doesn't hold a lot of theological weight. But that was my heart in it. But I remember raising you guys thinking I had to cocoon you from the real world because it was, you know, serious. And I remember hardcore training you and, and your father training you and, and scripture. And we used to have those little cards. I don't know if you remember they were because we homeschooled, but or memory versus cards and they had the like, clever ways to learn verses and you you were really good at memorizing.
1: I remember there was like a small box with a lid that had little almost like fortune cookie type of things. Oh, I the have one verses. in the other
0: room. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like little strips of paper with Yeah,
0: but that's not what them. I'm talking about. But that's more what okay. you call a promise box. Oh. And I grew up with one and I have I have a wonderful story about that. But anyway, um Yeah, we always had one of those around. But I did realize so I never let you listen to secular music, remember? Mm-hmm. And I remember when we had a friend who brought you guys who gave you at twelve years old a boys to men C D. Remember that? Jeanette did and I was yeah. horrified that she brought all this sexy town music, you know, into yeah. your life. And um then she lived with us for a while. And I remember she I've never been famous for having a clean oven, you know. Mm-hmm. And um my house is usually clean, my oven's always awful. And I remember she spent like eight hours cleaning my oven. But I come home and she was cleaning the oven as a blessing to be a good friend. And and she was listening to Paul Simon. And I, I freaked this. on her. I was like, how could you bring secular music into my house? Paul Simon, for God's sakes. So it was like, <laughs> oh, step on the bus, Gus, or you can call me Al or something. It was like so lame. And I looked back horrified that I... I was offended. I should have been just grateful somebody would spend eight hours cleaning my oven. You know what I'm saying? And instead, I'm like, but that was. I regret being that way. But I was taught you had to keep all those influences out, and sure, and I get that that was screwed up. But then the more kids we had, right? I decided with when Bethany got older, I had this epiphany that it was relationship, not rules. That it was the relationship we had with our kids that made us success, not what we let them be around. Mm-hmm. And then I started to let up, remember? And I remember going to Matchbox 20's concert with Bethany. But actually, I remember going to see Incubus with you. Do you remember that? Yeah.
1: Was that in Summerfest? At Summerfest in Milwaukee? I think so.
0: Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is probably Demonic, because isn't Incubus the name for like...
1: I feel like that was way past that point. That time. But
0: wasn't, oh, the first concert we went to, are you really ready to admit it publicly?
1: I have no idea what you're
0: talking about. Yanni oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry Ryan you no, loved it great. you loved like Yanni. it Yanni that was incredible yeah. I remember you are like
1: I mean they were all world class musicians yeah
0: that was amazing I mean, that was, was amazing I sure. didn't remember
1: that yeah I just liked I like watching his hair blow go for his mustache
0: so. yeah yeah <laughs> Porn stash, but um but uh, before that we would go see the newsboys or we would you know music was always a part of your life you know but carmen and dc talk and yeah. all that stuff that was your life you know and it was fun but i do realize i finally realized later it's relationship not rules and exposure you know yeah. and i i do wish honey i would have known that sooner but i mean it's not like you didn't get to have music you enjoyed the music you i remember when you were like six or so we lived in tulsa still and um you'd you'd spent your whole life watching Gospel Bill videos, and we go to Gospel Bill's, Willie George decided to start a church, and we went to his first service, and it was like with only 30 people in a hotel. Now it's a big mega church. But his first service was in a hotel, and there was like 30 people, and he was walking down the hall, and you noticed him. And oh my gosh, if I could just take a picture of that day, you had your little hand up, and you were just staring, because he was just this cowboy you'd always seen on TV, you know. And he was like, howdy, young man, how are you? And you're like, I'm fine. <laughs> it was really cute. But, um, yeah. And then we lived in Tulsa, which was such a, you know, crazy place spiritually. Um, weird. I look back and, you know, we learned a lot of lessons in those years of what not to be and what God was not like and mm-hmm. um, but strange stuff. And I asked you earlier today, did you remember when I took you to this lady who supposedly had this stigmata, you know, and but even more than that, she had like um, her back was like had 30 stripes on it and her feet bled. And so they had her on a stage at the Maybe Center, which held like what, 12,000 people or something and in, in Tulsa. And you could go by and touch her. And I remember, ironically, Willie George, Gospel Bill, thought she was full of crap and that she was a uh, just mm. a charlatan. Yeah. And she was pulling feathers out of her hand, like her long dress. Yeah. And she would say, like, the Holy Ghost is manifesting or whatever. And she pulled pull these feathers out and she'd drip oil. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me that the Holy Ghost wasn't a duck. Like, what? What? <laughs> What the hell does feathers have to do with the Holy Spirit? But everybody was like, "Oh my God!" You know, I didn't even make that correlation. God is not a duck, okay? But I remember—I think it was Willie George and some other minister that was a little more. Was calm. There supposed
1: to be some benefit derived from touching. Her? Well, it
0: just was this manifestation of God. So, if you touch something that was manifesting God, you know. Yeah. So I remember bringing you guys up, you and Mikey. And in line, and you were a little scared, you know, which of course...
1: I don't why. That's weird. It was just... Ladies like dripping oil.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I know, you were probably like six and four. I should have been more. But I thought, oh my god, I'm going to let my sons touch this woman, you know. I
2: see you. How beautiful.
0: How beautiful. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. That was weird. I wish that was one of the weirdest things we ever did, but... Uh, and then we were part of a church that had a split. Remember that? Your dad got like pulled up the pulpit, basically. We're told to get down. And it was a small church, like a family. Like, we were like, yeah, you ran the sound, and Mikey prayed for people. Yeah, that was pretty awful. And that was the beginning of the laughing revival in the United States. So the guy, remember the guy that Rodney Howard Brown, he was the one that started the laughter all over. So Benny Hinn blew, okay? But Rodney Howard Brown (laughs) laughed, and so what happened was we were in a part of a fairly normal church, actually, at the the Word of His Grace thing. Okay, okay we we should, probably shouldn't should mention
1: it. T-shirt to say I was blown by Benny. <laughs> oh
0: my God! <laughs> you know what? I could kind of get behind that. But um, yeah. Okay, let's stop there. Do you remember when that missionary came to visit us from up here in Wisconsin? It was a friend of Grandpa's. And What was his name? His name was George. Bless his heart, he's dead. We can't talk about Hispanic him. Hispanic guy? Yes. Uh, but he was kind of a Benny Hinn wannabe. And he had Mikey standing up uh, in front of him. And Mikey was probably like six or five. And he was like praying for Mikey and he was blowing. And Mikey wasn't really familiar with that. So he looked at me like, Mama, why is he blowing on me? It was like, oh my God. It's actually
1: a good scientific test. If this is really God, it shouldn't matter whether you're aware of how it works yeah.
0: or not. So Rodney Howard Brown came to Florida, to the mm. little town of Stewart had a tent revival and we were part of a pretty normal church where pastor was like into the Greek and not being weird and out of control or whatever and uh, the associate started going to this revival and then started coming and sitting in the front row and laughing the whole service just laughing so it got very uncomfortable to a point where it caused a division and the pastor closed up his church and moved on But the associate decided to stay and start his own. I mean, your dad went without a job. I mean, all of a sudden, we were a family of five people that didn't have a home and a job. And um, we decided to stay with them. So for three years, Archer, your church life, you were the sound man. And Mikey would pray for people, and people would fall on the floor and laugh. And I remember stopping inviting people to our church because the pastor might not ever get off the floor. Because at the beginning of the service... Was this Jean? Yeah. Oh. So we probably should mention names. But at the beginning of the service, I'm sure they'll never listen. At the beginning of the service, they would pray for each other, right? For yeah. the service, which right. is normal. And then what would happen is people would fall over. Yeah. I mean, they'll fall over in the Holy Ghost or whatever, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And then um, the pastor would fall over and he might not ever get up. So your poor father was the worship leader and he would be like, playing until somebody got up, start talking, because, you know, you have your cue, you play until it's time for the sermon. Right. And there were times he didn't get off the floor. And then you get frozen and stuck.
1: I love how they had those uh, special little...
0: The cloths.
1: Cloth that you Oh, my
0: God, honey, that was my sticking. aspiration in life, okay? Here, my highest aspiration, how sad. I now have a master's degree. I should have been, like, had higher aspirations for myself. But back then, my only aspiration was to be the lady that stood next to the minister who prayed for people and you held the cloths. So the woman held the cloths and you would put them on the people. Right. But it's weird. You'd never put them on men. You'd only put them on ladies.
1: Well, I imagine the point was so when they fell over, their dress didn't fly up and be any. And there was no indecency that was yeah. exposed. But it's, it's it kind of reminded me more like of... Placing the white cloth over the dead body when yeah. the crime scene. it supposed
0: to like, look kind of creepy.
1: Nobody needs to see this. Let's yeah, just yeah, it. yeah.
0: And some of the verbiage we used, like, um, that people wouldn't understand if you weren't a part of it. You know, like, I got slain in the spirit. Or I got drunk in the spirit. That was a big yeah. deal. People go to church to get drunk.
1: That's true.
0: And, um... The
1: spirit does a lot of... Right. A lot of inebriation and yep. murder...
0: I sat under the pastor. I used to say, oh, I sat under that pastor for three years. That just doesn't sound right. Uh,
1: it's like, he's, like you were, he's incubating you as your, his little mm. egg.
0: And the, flav- the, like, the expression, that guy's in the flesh, yeah. you know? And that used to be the biggest concern of my life, am I in the flesh?
1: So what it sounds to me like, though, is mm-hmm. you recognize all the ridiculousness of this.
0: That was more, yes, I do. Some of those things, of course.
1: But all of those were just format differences, they were just you know, it was more just cultural differences surrounding the same concept of Mm -hmm. God and the core Mm -hmm. beliefs so even though you can recognize that those unique cultural aspects of our church life at the time were ridiculous Mm -hmm. you don't extend that same ridiculousness to anything beyond that and is it because you, you hold on to the core beliefs because of it's comforting, or is, do you feel like you genuinely have an intelligent justification for sticking to those convictions, that there genuinely is? Because church, in general, no matter how many unique, crazy little things, mm-hmm. was about having a relationship with God, the one true God that is mm-hmm. the creator of heaven and earth, and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, you still presumably hold on to that.
0: Mm-hmm. I do.
1: That as a as a genuinely uh, a, a worthy um, project, mm-hmm. but you don't you don't buy into all the little unique cultural differences. And to me, those aren't all that interesting. Every, I mean, you could talk about any. Buddies,
0: yeah. Do you oh, right. know, like in the 1900s? I did some research once on charismatic movements because it intrigued me. In the 1900s, they had a thing of running on chair backs.
3: Really?
0: So at meetings, people would get the Holy Ghost and run they on the. chair. They're running. No, but they would run on the chair backs. I, how did they do that without falling over and breaking their? So, sturdy, isn't that crazy?
1: Carpentry
0: back then. I guess <laughs> so. Yeah. So you're saying, if I let go of those silly things, why don't I let go of the core beliefs? Well, you recognize
1: the silliness of a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. And and you Mm -hmm. recognize that, you know, the pastor wasn't on the floor because he was being pinned down by the Holy Spirit. You recognize that that Mm -hmm. was, he was either under some kind of a delusion himself that Mm -hmm. he was literally being held there. And that's probably what he would have said. I could have gotten up if I wanted to. Right. I was being worked on by the Holy Spirit. You know, basically, you're getting your... Mm-hmm. ten minute jiffy lube by the Holy Spirit getting mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. spiritual life right, getting the once over or whatever the heck you would have said but you realize that that was probably not legit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the laughter and all of the you mm-hmm. know uh, Benny Hinn's whole shtick and the, mm-hmm. whole, the televangelists in general that it's all it's all a ruse but why then do you still hold on to what all of that was built around. This idea that there mm-hmm. is a sky god that mm-hmm. put us here to worship him. Because that's to me, is the most ridiculous thing. I mean, it, the most ridiculous aspect of it is the fact that that some infinitely powerful, omnipresent being that created the universe... Which the tiny piece of which we can observe is thousands of light years across, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. massive beyond what we can even fathom. We can't even wrap our minds around it. And yet, he's concerned with whether or not we acknowledge him as the creator. Why? Why? Why, why do we matter so much mm-hmm. to him? What is any? None of this makes really makes any sense when you start to look at it from the perspective of. If this is an infinitely powerful, infinitely good being, why would he bother creating a world that suffers, a world with Mm -hmm. problems? Why does this have to exist? This doesn't have to exist. He has every option available to him. And so to think that, well, it's silly that a pastor thought that Jesus had pinned him to the floor. Why why is that any more silly than the idea that Jesus put him there in the first place? Mm -hmm. None of it really seems baseless. It's almost like you're creating a line in the sand between good Jesus and not good Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. this this part isn't really actually from mm-hmm. Jesus. But like,
0: I'm is. picking and choosing.
1: Well, yeah, and, it's, and it seems to me entirely based on what is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: what do I want to believe he is there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to believe in a Jesus that would send people to hell, so I'm not going to believe he sends people to hell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to believe in a Jesus that is okay with straight people but he's not okay with gay people. So I'm going to believe that Jesus is okay with all people. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of creating the Jesus you want It's like a to God be, of our own making. Mm-hmm. He's entirely just a... He, it's, it's like, you know, like you're like Lego Jesus. Let me put this piece on him because I like the way that looks. And let me put this piece on him because I like the way mm-hmm. that looks. And I'm going to take that piece off because I don't think that that's how Jesus should look. And eventually, it's just a Jesus you made. It's not... An actual, real, because mm-hmm. it, if it's really a, the God that is unchanging, then whatever we want him to be doesn't matter. Well, our goal should be to figure out who he is and what it is, and mm-hmm. how then we should have some kind of a system or method of identifying that. Not it should not be based on feeling at all. mhm it should be entirely based on facts. But what if What
0: project. if the God of the universe or the creator doesn't exist in a realm of time and space? Like it's measurable. What if it's not measurable? What if we can't really ascertain to it in our mental... Um, what if what he's is- spirit? What if he's spirit? So there's no distance in spirit. Mm-hmm. There's a distance in time and space. There's a distance in...
1: What does it mean to the exist? The heaven.
0: Like, I don't think God exists on a cloud somewhere.
1: What does it mean to exist for no time?
0: I I believe, and I've always, I, maybe I've always been taught, but it always made sense to me that in the spirit realm, there's no time and space. Like when we die and leave this earth, time is no longer of a consequence. Time is something that is a constraining force here.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, couldn't I say that? about anything I wanted to create a this is like but it, this sounds like exactly like what Tolkien would have come up with well the, the land of the elves there is no time what does it mean that there is no time if there is no time then nothing passes there's no instances of anything there's no there is no now there is no then or later or future or past and none of this stuff exists because there's no time So this is almost like just a...
0: But for me, I always thought of it as as an answer to like the suffering thing, because our suffering, no matter how horrible life would be here in this little space of time, Mm -hmm. it's just a fraction for the eternity that will exist Mm -hmm. where we don't live in that mode of suffering. But doesn't... Where we were one with God, where we're simply just spirit. We're not constricted to a body. Right. We're not constricted to time you, and
1: space. When you go... Okay, so... But don't you see how you can... If we have the ability... Our minds kind of work in the way that we think God has actual power. Like, we can fathom things that we can't make... We can't put into action, right? Mm-hmm. We can... You look at like uh, the Star Wars saga, right? Mm-hmm. There or something more maybe fantastical, like Tolkien, for example. He's coming up with concepts that don't exist,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he can invent concepts that plug in plot holes and answer questions about, well, you know, why is the why, why are the hobbits able to to survive in the environment they live in, or why are the Elves able to survive in the environment they live well because they have this power X Y Z. You can, when it comes to fiction, you can plug in anything you want into that mm-hmm. and call it the answer because nobody's accepting that this is actually real life. And so, so do you? That sounds like what what the this idea of mm-hmm. another dimension. Well, it solves all our problems because we think of some random thing that answers the question, but there's no real evidence or reason to believe that can actually happen.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're saying if you can fathom a way around the question then that must be the answer. Well that doesn't make sense. That's not a good way to figure out the answer to a question. It's just think of a way it possibly could answer your question and then assume that's the right answer. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: then it's just fiction is the answer.
0: So do you think it's reasonable to expect that you can intelligently find clear evidence for a god that potentially created the universe, like the whole entire atmosphere and everything. If there was that god, you think it makes sense that you, this little peon person, could intelligently find proof and evidence for that?
1: I don't think I should expect... I don't think he should expect me to believe in him if he's going to make his evidence or if he's going to make that evidence so difficult to ascertain.
2: Mm.
1: So I certainly don't necessarily... it's, It's entirely possible that there is a God who has shut off every method of identifying him as creator of the universe or whatever. And he is sitting kind of outside of this crystal ball looking in on earth and seeing us all running around and doing our thing. We have no way to know that he's out there, that entirely possible.
0: So why do you think that might be possible?
1: Because I don't, I, there's no way I can know in an absolute way what is and is not possible outside of what I'm able to observe or, or understand. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I should go ahead and believe those things just because it could be. Because if that's the case, I'm going to believe everything because it could be. It could mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. that that the sun is God and His face is shining down on us with such light that it warms the earth. But is that just because that could be the case? Am I going to assume that that is the case? It could be that one of these the stars up in the sky is God. It could be that the soil that surrounds the earth is God itself, and he's been here the whole time, and we walk upon him, and he's Mm -hmm. the one that gives life to the plants, which gives life to us. You could come up with any fictitious concept you want and just call it God, and it could be true, and we have no way to identify his soul because his actual essence is in another realm outside of It's supernatural, Mm -hmm. so there's no way we can observe it, right? Mm -hmm. If you could, you could list off a thousand things that could be the case, so by your logic, it feel like I would have to assume that all of these could-bes are true until it's proven wrong. And that's just not a logical way to go about believing anything. Mm-hmm. It's not a good way to go about... Wouldn't it make more sense to wait until something has been proven before we go about believing it? Or at least demonstrated, at least some basic amount of evidence to indicate this is the case. Before we believe something, the time, I think, I don't know, remember who said it, but I think Bertrand Russell or someone like that said the time to believe in something is after it's been demonstrated, not before. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, he, I know, I think it was Bertrand Russell that said the extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And it's such a a common cliche phrase now, but it can really be illustrated by something. I say I I have a, a, a cell phone in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's not an extraordinary claim. Many people have cell phones in their pockets at any given moment. So you would not require much evidence to believe me when I say that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if I said there's there's a moose in my pocket,
2: mm-hmm. well, that's
1: a ridiculous claim. You're not going to believe me because simply because I said it, even mm-hmm. though I've given you the same amount of evidence for both claims, mm-hmm. me saying it.
2: Mm-hmm. One is
1: believable. One is not. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to make a claim like, there is a God supernatural being exists that we can't investigate we can't understand or fathom he lives outside of space and time and he has all of these properties and mm-hmm. blah 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 and he's the one to set all this in motion and I say well that's quite a claim do you have anything besides your claim to make me to mm-hmm. convince me that he's there well
3: mm-hmm. what do you have?
1: you have your book Okay, the Bible. Okay, well, the Bible, why do you believe that the Bible is
3: mm-hmm. from
1: him? Well, the Bible says it's from him. Well, that's kind of circular, so I can't really right. logically, to be logically consistent, I can't <clears throat> use that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where what I run into is as soon as we start coming up with, well, maybe he's outside of space and time, or maybe he's just in another dimension, he's supernatural, mm-hmm. we have no way to investigate anything in the supernatural.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so how can we start making claims about the supernatural if we have no way to investigate it? How can mm-hmm. we cite that as evidence?
0: And I guess, you know, when it comes down to, for me, which, you know, you always hear evangelically people saying it's a personal relationship. Um, I don't believe that in the cliche manner that, like, <clears throat> that happens just by I, I, You know, when the scripture says no one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him, I've met so many people that had a moment, a time, where their heart was convinced that God is real Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and that he was revealing himself to them personally. Many, 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 many hundreds of people in my life. Now, I've also met people that just felt pressure to walk down an aisle because they were afraid they were going to go to hell. You know, Mm -hmm. if you die tonight where would you be? So buy this fire insurance, you know, come down. But I personally have said and would say I felt the unction of the Holy Spirit or I felt a, a, a indwelling of the presence of God or I felt, which I know sounds crazy-ish, you know, but I have this sense that something way bigger than me, way bigger than my um, will, you know, not that he supersedes my will, but something that guides me that's not me, lives inside of me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I, I sense it. I'm aware of it. I interact with it.
1: Do you think and you're I aware? I talk to
0: it. It talks back.
1: <laughs> but you're aware that that same sensation people have from every God throughout history.
0: I am aware of that. So is it my frame of reference that I have as the Judeo-Christian, you know, uh, structure and paradigm? Is it really Jesus Christ himself that lives inside of me, that is manifesting himself to me? Or is it, Are we all spiritual beings and we connect on a spiritual level and so whatever we understand what that is, whether it's the Indians with the trees, you know, in nature or the Hindus or the Muslim or the Christian is God this awareness the spirit that is greater than us and that is manifesting himself to all people in all faiths. What I mean, why have people why always that... striven for, strove, strived for religious belief? I mean, why has religion always been a part of society? I realize it brings community, and I realize it brings structure. I realize it's been used to harness people and control them, and to conquer. It,
1: it hasn't always, and it isn't always. I don't think if you were brought up in a Christian household, you would have had any desire for belief in a god. I don't think if you look at
3: so you think was it, just
1: families those kids don't grow up wishing and longing for a relationship with a god or any kind of desire for uh, for some supernatural father figure to to look out for them. That's not that that's because we were trained and taught. That we, needed, children, that we needed that God. That you were seeking this. And that mm-hmm. don't you feel that thing inside of you that wants God? That's a God-shaped hole in your mm-hmm, heart. Mm-hmm. And we're told that we need this because mm-hmm. it makes that us... That we're broken and we're, and we're
0: born sinners. We're all and, yeah.
1: susceptible to this influence. Mm-hmm. And you believe, it, feel... Like, you communicate with this God. If you were brought up in a denomination that doesn't believe that God actually converses with us, mm-hmm. say uh, you were in a deistic mm-hmm. type of uh, of relationship, you wouldn't, to this day, have communication with God. You simply do because you were taught that that is possible and that God does talk to us. And you should listen for the still, small voice. And all of these... Um, so suggestion. what is that
0: voice I hear, or it it's sense? mind.
1: I mean, in much the same way that David Copperfield can make an entire room of people feel something, or a mentalist can come in and he can make you completely convinced that this guy can read your mind and he's simply just cold reading you and just kind of identifying things about you. Or
0: do we? Do we? Do I answer? Am I answering my own questions then? Like when I ask, you I know, know, the other day I asked for help as I said, "Oh God, I need that. I need help on this," and and something came to me that was just i had never thought of and it was perfect for what i needed i can't mm-hmm. think of it right now but it was awesome <laughs> but you know is it was that me answering myself like being amazingly smart and clever because i'm not I normally that knew it smart the
1: whole time and i don't think so it's an attri- attribution to him mhm because you 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 almost you probably have done it so much throughout your life yeah that when you kind of already know the answer to something you will instinctively ask God so that when that answer really comes clarifies in your mind
2: mm-hmm. you can
1: attribute that to God and then that strengthens your bond with him And much of the same way that anyone that's convinced any other God exists would likely do the same same thing but what would be particularly um, terrible is if your God is trying to help you figure out these little problems in life and then the parent who's praying and yearning that God keeps their child alive, who's on the brink of death for whether it's mm-hmm. disease, famine or whatever, and he doesn't even bother to help them out one bit but he helps you figure out the solution to your problem about how you're going to pay your bills or find your car mm-hmm. keys or whatever and so mm-hmm. it, it, to me it makes, it would be a far more capricious and and, uh, evil God that would help you with those little things because there's so much suffering going on that he's not taking mm-hmm. any time at all to do with people that are pleading with him and far more of a, of an urgent method than you just thinking, Oh mm-hmm. God, I wonder if you could help. Right. Something how, far more important. Yeah, I get that. So how, how do you justify what what makes you think that God would help you with little things when He won't help others with big things? Do you really think? Well, that first
0: he of is- all, I can't. I can I can say from experience, having a child that was dying. Okay, obviously he didn't die, but it's not my fault. He's he's still here. We're glad, right? But
1: it's not my fault. He's no, it's not
0: my fault. It's so. <laughs> but when he was dying, I was one of those parents. Sure. And I felt very, very, very close to God during the time my son was dying. Mm -hmm. I felt very comforted by God. I felt like God was with me in that suffering. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I never was... I was angry in the beginning when he got diagnosed with brain cancer, but I wasn't... I came to terms with all that, and I appreciated the presence of God in my life going through that shitty, shitty time. And I was okay with my son dying. So, like... What I'm saying is that I don't know that those people that are suffering don't feel the presence and comfort of God. I never really believed once I got out of that charismatism that God relieves all my suffering and takes away all the horrible things that happen in this world. Grass grows, wheat, weed, weed grows, mosquitoes bite. You know, we live in a world that is imperfect. Kids get brain cancer. He was one of 40 kids that had brain cancer because of a nuclear waste dump. I'm saying God didn't cause the nuclear waste dump.
1: Didn't he, though? Didn't he cause everything, ultimately? I
0: mean, no. I kind of, okay, and this is going to be hypocritical because you're going to say, okay, I kind of see that he lets this fallen world take its course.
1: But it's fallen because? Well. Why does, if he lets it happen, then mm-hmm. it's him. Right, right. because if he's all-powerful, he could stop it. Anything that exists is because of him and anything is, that is the way it is, it's because it was part of his design. So you can't attribute the good to God and the bad not to God.
0: I guess what I'm saying is I am one of those parents that was suffering with a dying child, and I did feel the presence of God. That's the point I want to make. I did feel God with me, and I was okay
1: sure with there's my son still, dying parents i had kids that peace. have dying children that come out of it that are atheist and have no connection to god whatsoever
2: mm-hmm.
1: and their children come out of it and then there are parents who pray to an entirely different god and they feel the same connection mm-hmm. you feel there there are you know paganistic religions that don't pray to a particular monotheistic deity that that feel like they need to pray to the god of of the soul or they need to pray to the god of the earth or to pray to the god of the whatever specific one mm-hmm. and then when they do that and their child comes for whatever goes into remission and, and gets better they attribute all of that to the god of
0: i'm just saying i was okay with an awful situation i had peace i wasn't happy about it but i was like
1: but couldn't that be a just a self a, a self-preservation mechanism i understand my child I've seen my child suffer for so long that if he were to pass away, I would feel better for him because I don't want to see him in this state any longer. Well, I did and feel I that would way. Be okay I did.
0: I did feel he, that way. Yeah. And that
1: would bring peace to both you and him because yeah. neither of you yeah. would be suffering as much. I mean, it just doesn't. None of this points to mm-hmm. any kind of.
0: I guess I'm just saying me. I was somebody who didn't necessarily need this perfect outcome. You know, like you point pointed, like, well, why did this bad thing happen? I was one of those bad people going through bad things and not expecting God to come down and just erase it all. You know, I'm okay with a God that doesn't fix everything in a way that I understand right now. Why is that
1: okay, though? If, if, you had a, if I had the ability because, to stop my child, for example, mm-hmm. from getting hurt... Mm-hmm. They say they're running out, and I see a car coming. Is this
0: the buggy, the buggy thing down the hill, or whatever? You know.
1: Yeah, sure, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. But if they ran out of the street and I saw a car coming, mm-hmm. and I had the option to run out there and save them, and I chose not to, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're saying, I am okay with God not saving. Or you it almost like you're saying I'm okay with you not saving your kid.
0: I guess the reason I would have said I was okay with it is I would have said something like because I haven't thought about this for a while, but I would have said something like he in the end it will make sense to me. Right now it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't know the big picture. You know, there's a scripture that says why did the righteous die young? Because the Lord knew the evil day that was before you know before them. So like. It was almost like he knew what was going to go happen later on in their so life.
1: The righteous be able to handle that evil day better than the evil person would.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, he was saying it was saying because the Lord knew the day that was ahead of them. Like it would have been far worse, so they so got the to die young. People. You know why? So somebody was asking why do pe- people die young that were so good? You know, it doesn't make sense. And it was because the Lord knew the evil day that was ahead of them. And so so it's like...
1: Anybody that lives a long life is an evil person. Well, no.
0: (laughs) But I'm just... I guess from that logic, that wouldn't make sense. But what I'm saying is that I always believe that God knew better than I did. So, and it's appointed for a man once to die. Okay, I don't know what day when... I don't know when I'm going to die. I had cancer last year. I didn't die of it. I don't know how long I have. You don't know how long you have. And so I looked at it, it as like, this must be my son's time here. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Someday I'll understand it. You know, Scripture says we see through a glass darkly. We don't understand everything, but when we die, we understand.
1: So the Holocaust, it was their time to die? Mm. All those people? The When the tsunami hit indonesia and a quarter of a million people died and over according to the logic
0: i just said you i guess i would have to say yes but that does sound ridiculous
1: when any time an earthquake hits it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah those people i got
0: you down. honey i know that doesn't really hold that water there does it i mean it doesn't make sense to my logic
1: well it doesn't make sense that there could be a greater purpose it's okay that those people die because mm-hmm. there's going to be a bigger purpose. No, moment. that's
0: very cruel well, to say that.
1: That means we're all just pawns and I'm just mm-hmm. being used. I'm getting my life taken from me just so I can be used as an example for some future mm-hmm. lesson that's going to be. And how cruel is that? Like that doesn't sound like a good God, especially mm-hmm. a God who has infinite power and options at his disposal. Mm-hmm. So if he wants to, Teach someone a lesson in the future. And in order to do so, he's going to take away what you have now, much like Job, right? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to teach Job a lesson. So I'm going to let the devil take away everything he has, mm-hmm. strip him from a, a rich man with the beautiful, loving family and all of this wealth. Well, and it power wasn't really teaching enough.
0: Job a lesson. Remember, it wasn't the story. He was kind of bragging to the devil saying, look at my servant. It was more like he was teaching the devil a lesson. Like I have people that would serve me no matter what, which is, still seems pretty awful.
1: Right, but I guess my point being if... If there I, was a
0: greater purpose if in he, it. Yeah. If he was
1: taking a life in order mm-hmm. to, because there was some there yeah. was big picture big purpose. Big picture thing, yeah. Couldn't he just make that person aware of that lesson?
0: Absolutely, if he's in all powerful. Notice, right. He could just yeah. snap
1: his fingers and anything can mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. There's no need to snuff out that life mm-hmm. that, especially if particularly righteous people because they are the ones that are mm-hmm. used for his glory and taken at a young age and mm-hmm. it, it's just when when you and most of us it's easy to dismiss that or just accept that as oh you know it's greater purpose any of us that are in the moment of we have a child dying or feeling the weight on our shoulders mm-hmm.
2: it's it so much harder
1: sense. to swallow that mm-hmm. pill mm-hmm. if you're or if you work in the you know, in a children's ICU unit and mm-hmm. all you see all day long mm-hmm. is just children suffering. Needlessly, mm-hmm. they don't understand what's happening to them and it's just mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking.
0: It is, yeah.
1: How in a God that has every option available to him, mm-hmm. but he chooses to have this option wherein the children suffer. That's a that's a that's an evil God to me. There's no way I could attribute goodness to them because you have every other option possible and you Mm -hmm. choose not to do that. And Sam Harris said once, a God that allows this suffering is either impotent or evil. He either chooses to do nothing, but he can, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in which case he's evil, or he can do nothing. And so he's one of those two options, neither of which are worthy Of worship. worship. Certainly Mm -hmm. not even worthy of the label of calling him God. Mm -hmm. Because if he's not going to do something about it, but he has the ability to, that's the worst possible outcome. And that is a God that Christianity teaches exists, one that has infinite power, Mm -hmm. infinite options.
3: So
0: what made you come to the conclusion, like at what point do you think did you stop being a believer? Because I remember I was reading your basic training journal not long ago. Mm-hmm. And you're now 36, right? And you yeah. went to basic training when you were like... 17. 17? 18. Yeah. 18, yeah. And you were still a believer then because you were talking about it in your journal.
1: I think it would have been... Um, probably six, seven years ago. 2012.
0: And can you think of anything that like triggered you thinking this? or
1: It was watching sam harris's debate with william lane craig um, called the god debate on youtube Mm. and um william lane craig was going into all this philosophical logical um he he was basically breaking down what's known as the kalam cosmological argument which is basically it's it's a syllogism um nothing exists that wasn't caused um or I say, I don't want to mess it up because it it's um it's a very technical way that it's worded, and if you get it wrong, and then it's not quite the same argument. But
0: was he a believer or something? That's so like. William
1: Lane Craig is a pretty famous Christian apologist. That mm-hmm. um, but he's he's you know his PhD and holds degrees in philosophy and um, theology, logistics, and well, anyway, he's he's just very much a, an academic when it comes to this kind of thing. And so um, he was breaking down the Kalam Cosmological Argument. Um, And, uh, you know, very interesting points and whatever, and and there's, you can kind of pick apart certain uh, different, there's different problems and issues people have with the various um, iterations of the Kalam Cosmological Argument. But anyway, Sam gets up there and he's like does this even make sense does is, is this a god that even makes it makes sense and i and i'm summarizing obviously but um he talked about you know 5000 i think he said 5000 children a day die of starvation and hunger and you know these are children whose parents are praying fervently for something, for mm-hmm. some kind of intervention. And just by sheer bad luck of being brought up in the wrong religion and praying to the wrong god, they're praying to uh, the monkey god Hanuman, or they're praying to, um, you, you name it, any one of the mm-hmm. many gods around the world, that now their children are dying, Simply because they got the prayer to the wrong god wrong, or they, that the fact that the, a god would allow this kind of suffering is the god that Christians pray to, as if he were good, and if it doesn't, it just simply doesn't hold water. And at one point, he's like, "If you know, people will tell you, but this god brings meaning to my life, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like there's a reason to get out of bed in the morning, and it makes mm-hmm. me see the world." better and it makes me happier and makes me happy to see my friends and people say they see god on me because mm-hmm. of the smile on my face and it's like well what if uh what if i told you i had a, a diamond the size of a refrigerator buried in my backyard and it brought me so much joy knowing that that diamond is there and it just made me see the world differently and i worried about things less because i always knew i had that diamond if i ever needed it so it took all of the stress off of me, and I it just gave me a new reason to get out of bed in the morning, et cetera, et cetera. Does that just because you can attribute those positive feelings to an idea doesn't mean that idea is real? It's mm-hmm. no different than Dumbo with the feather. You know, he, mm-hmm. he he was convinced that that feather gave him the ability to fly, and so. But when you take the feather away, it's it was him the whole time, and that's all. That and I that, see God is—you take all us the whole time. All the goodness mm-hmm. that you've been to people—it's because mm-hmm. of you. And you are giving up your the credit that you deserve when you say, "Oh, it's because of God in my life. God's shining through me." Or it's—I'm only—I give all the credit and glory to God. No, you deserve that credit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: God doesn't deserve any of that. God's—it's mm-hmm. like saying, you know well, honey, let me, help, let me help you write that thank you letter to Santa Claus for the presents that you had just placed under the tree the night before. It does, it's like you you deserve that credit. Mm. And I, I just can't understand why anyone would worship a God. And it ultimately it's come down because we were told to. That's ultimately what it comes down to. If you mm-hmm. were brought up in any other part of the world, you wouldn't necessarily have the same belief system. Mm -hmm. If you were brought up in a different part of this own country, you would probably just have a completely different way of thinking about God and how he, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, if you were brought up in a Catholic household, you would think that, well, God, I'm not on good terms right now because I Mm -hmm. haven't confessed in three days, and I have to go and do that before I can get right with him. Mm -hmm. So everything you believe right now is simply a byproduct of what you've been exposed to. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: None of those things that you've been exposed to, though, have been an actual encounter with a deity. They might have been your, you might have been thinking you did, but you can't really say that, unless you said that he materialized in front of me and literally spoke, I could hear with in my ears, and then, you know, to the point where, you know, you had this almost Damascus Road experience, mm-hmm. you know. How can you really say that anything you believe is based on what you know to be true well, and what, what you've been told?
0: What about when you feel led, okay? To do something that doesn't make sense, and then later on that makes total sense. Why you were like that? Is that our intuition that we call God? You know.
1: Well, I guess you need, you I know.
0: guess I give a quick example. When when Josiah was sick, and we knew they said do chemo and radiation. You know, he's got forty percent chance to just live, and we said no. We didn't feel right about it. Like we heard this red light inside, right? And then we did all these alternative things that didn't work, right? And he's dying anyway. said he'd die in a week. He doesn't die. For six months later, finally going to die. Can he be an organ donor, right? Well, yeah. No, because we don't take kids with cancer. Wait, we didn't do chemo and radiation. You're right. He can. But that means he should die in a hospital. So, long story short, if we would not have felt a year before so strong mm-hmm. not to do something that made total sense to at least try, right. we wouldn't be a year later in this position where he could die in a hospital, which means when he did begin to die, he, you know, his was, life was saved, right? And now he's 25. I didn't come up with that. And that's just a really big example. But it happens to me so much, I would have to say, in my life that things happen that I know...
1: It's no different than Don't saying, do
0: that. Go right. Go, go left. Right. Don't go left. Go but right. It's
1: no different than the person who just won a blackjack saying, if, if I didn't say hit on that one, I never would have won this big hand. Yes. A sequence but of But haven't events, you
0: ever had something that you... That went against... Like, that you felt directly compelled, okay, to take a certain direction. Have been
1: exposed to someone you really expected, some doctor that you really respected, yeah. that said you know, at that moment, and you'd never heard any of the negative stuff about chemo and radiation, and you'd Mm -hmm. had nothing but support for it, and success stories is all you'd heard, you wouldn't have made the same decision that you did at that time.
0: Okay, fair enough, because we'd we'd been already afraid of it because of grandma and, you know.
1: For every person like yourself that Mm -hmm. just happened to make a sequence of decisions that led to a good outcome, there's other people that might have made a different decision and led to a bad outcome. Yeah, that's true. So is God really, literally, just guiding your way but not guiding anyone else? Yeah, that else's? would be really
0: cruel to think that. Of course not. So that's no.
1: the problem that happens to that right. I, that I have is.
0: So then, what do you call that? Okay, so is that is that serendipity. The serendipity. The we were, thing talking, we're about, talking about right? yesterday. Yeah, right. What, I, what was, was the definition of that? Just yeah, happy
1: coincidence.
0: Happy beneficial. Happy coincidence. that works out in a beneficial way or something.
1: Well I mean it was coincidence if it wasn't.
0: coincidence that works out in a beneficial and happy way was the
1: Yeah. So I mean it it's 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 also it's kind of what's considered a post hoc rationalization after the fact looking back yeah if i had because of the yeah, sequence that I did everything in, yeah. wow, I must have been led into this position that I'm at, when each one of those was a fork and a decision that you could have been bad, and yeah. there's a thousand other people out there that you just simply aren't aware of yeah. that didn't make the same sequence of choices and might have yeah. had a negative outcome, but yeah. since you don't know those people, and you don't see yourself as part of a group of other parents with children with cancers, yeah. well, with children yeah. with cancer, then you, if you were in a room with all those other people, would you still be saying, oh, God led me to the right no, thing? No, I and wouldn't.
0: And I, ev- I am involved with you. parents. I am involved with parents who have lost their children, and it's awful, and I can't say that. And I'm in the middle of writing my book about it, and I have to be very careful because, no, that is, that's the cruelest thing I could do.
1: Exactly. And that yeah, the I get cruelest that. thing that a God could do is to lead certain people to success mm-hmm. and let other people's children die. It, 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 how horrible to attribute. that So, what if we
0: didn't attribute. attribute that stuff to God? Okay, what if what if that's not God's fault that children die? But then you're saying well, then don't attribute anything good to God. You're saying right, you can't do one without the other, right?
1: Right. Well, I mean, He's not yeah. just up there. Yeah. If He has the ability to orchestrate good things in life, then He has the ability to stop the bad things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so why? Would yeah, he... I don't
0: really have an answer for that, honey. I don't. I don't know.
1: I guess, and so, when I asked you, what is your reason for really thinking?
0: Give me one reason, right? Give me give me a reason, Mom. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: I guess that's really the whole thing. Yeah. But, I and that's, a, mm-hmm. ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what makes me stop.
0: So, when you, going playing. back to the Sam Harris God debate thing, that's, that's when, that you heard that, and it, like a light bulb went off, or it, what? I've,
1: it felt, everything just seemed to make so much more sense. Like, life... It's like, of course, duh. It's almost like, you know, like the, you're, you're, I feel like you're a kid watching a puppet show mm-hmm. and you're like watching these animals running around and you're so caught up with it. And then at the end, the puppeteer stands up and he takes a bow and you see the puppets on his hands and you're just like, of course, that's what it was the whole time. Like you didn't think that because you're three years old and you just mm-hmm. like puppets and whatever. And you see the man behind the curtain kind of a thing. hmm That's exactly... That was that revelation moment for me. And it was such a lifting of... It's like, you mean there's nobody watching if I'm good or bad or if I'm being nice to people, if I don't be nice Mm -hmm. to people? There's nobody that's keeping score Mm -hmm. and nobody that sacrificed their son so that I could live. And I don't, like, owe some great debt that I never asked him to Mm -hmm. pay for. And it, it all makes so much more sense now. Like, why would God sacrifice himself to himself so that he could forgive me for doing something that he i didn't have a choice in doing like none of it really makes any Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. so because adam sinned i have to go and burn in eternity Mm -hmm. except that jesus killed his own son (laughs) so that he wouldn't be mad at me for Mm -hmm. doing something i didn't do none of it made any sense Mm -hmm. and it all the more when you start just let yourself ask those questions it's like, well, duh, of course. Why Why did we ever think this mm-hmm. ridiculous plan was real? Like, this doesn't make any This is just as silly as grim fairy tales or any other type of thing where just crazy plan was concocted and this was how, whatever. And it's like, well, that would be great if it was, you know, written by, if it was Aesop's Fables or something. Mm-hmm. But it's is not. This is what we tell children is real. And it's like, that's just as abusive as telling them, letting them grow to adulthood and still playing this game that Santa Claus is really the one that's delivering your presents every year. Like at some point, aren't you hurting them by continuing on this delusion?
0: So do you remember when I we were talking a couple of years ago about, and I, w- I was crying and, and I said, you know, I, I thought I did the right thing and I can't believe you wish that you weren't raised that way. And Yeah. And then yeah. you said something to me about the wheel. Can you reiterate that?
1: Yeah, well, you were, you were sort of, you were almost, and, and this didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand why you'd feel this way, because to me, it, it didn't, but I, I can understand. But you were almost like upset that, almost offended that I would be upset with the upbringing that I was given, knowing that our, my upbringing was, of, was a good childhood. I had a great childhood. And so you were kind of taking my stance on the existence of a God as being, coming from a place of bitterness about being raised to believe there was a mm-hmm. God. Right. Yeah, that's right. And never once in this, in my deconversion per se, did I ever feel a, a bitterness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, or I- if anything, I was, I enjoyed this process this of discovery even more because of where I had come from. And had I been a very barely in the church, very you know, religion wasn't really a part of life for us, if that was just just a surface level Christian per se, I would not have had nearly the this this um who uh
0: sense of relief or Yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. had
1: such an awakening moment mm-hmm, that were, mm-hmm. uh, this aha moment that mm-hmm was so exhilarating to me. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have had that same effect on me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted to impart. But you seem to feel like um you almost seem to take it personally that, you know, assuming that I was upset that I was brought up this way mm-hmm. and I saw it in a totally different light and I had used the analogy of, let's say we were, you know, this was 100,000 years ago or caveman days and, and I was... You know, coming home after discovering the way this rock rolls across the ground creates this wheel, and you know the invention of the wheel. If I were to come home and show you and Dad and the whole family, look, we don't have to when we go out and we kill an animal for food, we don't have to drag it across the ground anymore. We can put it on a, a cart and put wheels on it, and it mm-hmm. makes everything so much easier. Isn't this incredible? And you were almost offended that I had, you would even ever sh- um that i was uh, must have resented the way i was brought up without this wheel and uh and i just didn't it didn't make any sense to me
0: oh, Well, the wheel thing it really you really yeah. gave my heart a lot of peace actually because i i was pretty i would say brokenhearted is a good way to say it mm-hmm. um because uh, like you and me being good has kind of, like, been a constant in my life, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, when you were born, I hadn't had a lot of constants in my life. And you were having a child so young, having something to love that I knew would unconditionally love me was just amazing. So I poured myself into being a mother. So then when I took it as you were a child, being, you know, you... Having a different belief system being such a part of our life that you were resenting the way you grew up. So when you told me, Mom, no, I don't resent that we had to, like, you know, drag our food. We did it together. We lived in that hut together. We, you know, we lived in this caveman-like way together. I just want to – I'm excited to bring back to you and share with you that I now have found a wheel. Mm -hmm. And I did – give my heart some peace in that. Oh, okay. He doesn't resent the way he grew up. Yeah, not at all. He just, you know, is excited about this. And I remember saying, "Well, honey, what if I think I already have the wheel?" Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I God's the wheel or whatever. Right. I I don't know what I said to you. But um all that aside, I did it helped me a lot. And I know on the David's podcast we I mentioned that and he yeah. thought that was a good way to put it, but um
1: yeah, and I'm sure you could
0: think of, of a of no, it worked, ways to put that. But, worked but it worked for me. It worked for me a lot. It, it did make me feel better. And I'm wondering if there's a lot of parents that, you know, I was telling you earlier, you know, I think it was important that you and I have a, a an episode together like this because um, the main reason I want to do this podcast, give me one reason, is for parents because it is such a, atheist generation that we have right now, you know, and um, for a lot of reasons. But it's very painful for other parents. I've heard of other parents. I've talked to other parents in tears going, my child that was raised in church has now said, I don't even believe there is a God. And they just sob and they're brokenhearted. And, you know, and I relate because I remember how I felt yeah. because it feels like the worst thing you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, And I... I don't really feel that way right now. That it's the worst thing. I think the worst thing you could say is I'm going to murder somebody, or I, you know what I mean, or I'm going to do some action that's going to cause pain to somebody else. You know what I mean? I. But at the time, it felt like this renunciation of your whole life.
1: Well, sure, because if it's true, then the child you love more than anything in the world is completely you lost, are concerned that they're lost, right? Be nothing but torture. Yeah.
0: Right. And of course. And so yeah, I get that. It, it makes
1: entire it entirely makes sense in mm-hmm. light of a Christian worldview to worry about that. I mean, mm-hmm. we they don't nearly worry about it enough mm-hmm. given the severity of what they actually believe Christians generally- Well,
0: I kind of always you know, I can't take credit for this, but Mike Williams always said he didn't believe most Christians really did believe in hell because if they did, they wouldn't sleep at night. Because right. if they go to sleep at night, like on their little pillows just in golf knowing and la la land. Their knowing their family, or friends, every the people they love are going to hell, then yeah. they're either don't believe it, really at the end of the day it's gonna happen, or they're the cruelest people in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I it always made it made sense to me to you know, so I haven't believed that for a long time. So I really isn't worried you're going to hell. I was worried I mean, I just believe you'll be pleasantly surprised that you'll yeah. be in heaven. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But um but anyway I appreciate you talking to me because I think for parents, it's too painful to hear this from their own kids sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, we've really worked hard for our ability to discuss these things, I would say, right? Yeah. And then we frustrated each other, I'm sure, many times. And I appreciate your perseverance with me because it's easier sometimes just to avoid these conversations. And I'm sure you have many family members that do avoid these conversations with you, and I get it because it takes a lot of, you know. Ugh.
1: Well, yeah, and it requires not not everyone has the interest, or the I guess time for that matter, to put as much thought and consideration into it, and anyone other people to bounce these things off of, and that's yeah. kind of where. I clarified a lot of what I think about things by just bouncing ideas off of YouTube videos and blogs and other yeah. podcasts that I've listened to. These people discuss the very concepts I'm thinking yeah. about, and hearing other sides. And um, I've always enjoyed listening to debates, and um, I just love but not
0: everybody the, enjoys debating. You know, debates honey. between
1: different. I know that, and that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't expect everyone to have the same mm-hmm, level of. Mm-hmm. Of
0: interest in it and um but what i appreciate is we've gotten kind of past a debating stage which i know you still really love debating but i like that we are having more of a conversation you know about it now part of that might be that might have been your intent from the beginning Mm -hmm. maybe
3: what
0: to have a conversation not a debate Mm -hmm. but i also think you were a little bit first here i have a really wonderful atheist friend and I used to a, a woman in my life, and she, I'd said, oh, my gosh, my son is making me crazy, and he's an atheist. It's just like, I can't, ah. Oh. And she's kind of laughed. She goes, what year atheist is he? Is he a one or two year atheist? They're usually really angry, and they're, and I know that's insulting, because you're not angry, Well, I mean, but it's, 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 it's usually it's, come off more defensive,
1: you know? Well, it's it's silly, too, because I feel like the only... Just like you said about the Christians who don't really believe in hell because mm-hmm. they would be out there beating the streets every day and night if they genuinely believed it. If, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm genuine about my thoughts and beliefs in this, mm-hmm. then the, not being angry would be to belie how I really thought about it. Because genuinely, if this is true,
2: mm-hmm.
1: if, if what I believe is true, believing in God is the least moral thing a person can do, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is the greatest tarnish on your morality to believe that a God mm-hmm. exists out there that is letting children die by the thousands every day, and you worship Him. That, to me, makes is stains your mm-hmm. moral standing mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I am not going—because I don't really think there is a God out there, it doesn't really— I don't. I just think you're confused, and I don't really hold mm-hmm. that against you per se. And mm-hmm. I don't mean you specifically, but you as a Christian or anyone mm-hmm. else as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest with you, then it it angers me that you don't even see the 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 depravity within your own belief system and your own mm-hmm. worldview. And I, I think I'm entirely justified in being as angry as possible. And the more time goes mm-hmm. on, the more I think about it. The more I realize just how awful it is to accept this mm-hmm. idea of this, as Christopher Hitchens would say, is this celestial North Korea mm-hmm. run by this dictator who puts these demands upon us that
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know I I don't think I can't see myself ever not being angry about this fact that this mm-hmm. is basically all of human civilization ever since this invention of religion that had had benefits to building societies around common mm-hmm. goals and whatnot has probably brought on more harm than any other thing mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and so there's there's to me it's like the this is not something to calm down from this is something that if you genuinely believe you would proselytize atheism per se Mm
0: -hmm. similar to the opposite the christian who would mature and grow in their faith or whatever
1: Mm -hmm. look at because i mentioned christopher hitchens but look at him he was ardently angry about Mm -hmm. about um religion to the day he died you Mm -hmm. know it was not like oh he got over that Mm -hmm. like that's just a silly thing to say and that's um, but, you know, I could see the enthusiasm where people kind of want to talk about it all the time when they first kind of discover and, and that. I well, do. it's kind of like
0: the zealot, you know, on either side. You know, like in the beginning, it's...
1: Sure, but I, I think it's... That zealousness is, is only the more... It's not something that should go away with mm-hmm. time. It's something mm-hmm. that as you discover mm-hmm. that these... that it, If you really got... If if someone is able to get as much out of it as I was, realizing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that this is all bullshit, this is all just one big farce, that was such a relief to me. For me not to want mm-hmm. to shout it from the rooftops mm-hmm. means I don't really believe that. I don't really care about that.
0: it. Almost sounds like a conversion experience on the other side, like it's the a, same it's like type of it's thing. Very yeah, much like yeah, a, yeah.
1: Like this. Um, mm-hmm yeah like like a revival in the other direction like i'm mm-hmm. actually i've got my life back in a way mm-hmm. i don't i'm not beholden to someone who's mm-hmm. paid the price for the sins of blah 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 and i need to you know make sure that i accept him into my heart so all of this blah, so, the other yeah
0: i get that so how do you how do you how do you answer people who say okay so i said to somebody uh recently i say quite often oh my old son he's an atheist and It's interesting, the reactions I get. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one really wonderful person um, that I know uh, um, said, oh, well, is he a good person? How does he (laughs) find his morals? Which, in most ways, you're one of the most moral people I know. Um, You're direct, you're kind, you're, you know, I've seen you be self-sacrificing, you're, uh, you know... You're, you know, not being a military man doesn't make anything. But I mean, I mean, it does. But I'm saying you've just excelled in everything that you've ever done. You've gained the respect of anybody you've worked for. You're a great father, a great husband. So, I mean, you're not like this low life person that people when you say the word atheist, I'm sure that and that's so offensive. To me, as your mother as a, Even though I'm a Christian, I get offended for you mm-hmm. when someone assumes that because you're an atheist, you're not a moral person. How do you address
1: that? Well, it, it has nothing to do with morals in any sense of the word. A, B, for Christians, it does because Christians believe morals come from God. They were dictated mm-hmm. to mankind by mm-hmm. God. That's why we, there is such a thing as morality. Mm-hmm. So where a- do you
0: think they come from?
1: Athe- so morality is different from person to person, right? Or or I should say what we what our ideas of what is moral mm-hmm. differ from people to people. And there's one culture that says this is right and this is wrong, and another culture that says this is right and this is wrong. But how can we really decide what morality is and why do we have a lot of the same morals Fundamentally, We all believe that it's wrong to steal. We all believe mm-hmm. it's wrong to murder. We all believe it's wrong mm-hmm. to cheat and lie and these kinds of things. Why has that come down? And the, the Christian would say, well, it's because these are dictated by God. These are the fundamentals. It goes right back to the Ten Commandments and blah, blah, blah. But when we think about it, what is it? That, that, in my opinion, and this is, again, something that I've picked up from from Sam Harris and a number of other um, modern atheist thinkers, the the fundamentals of morality is that which contributes to human flourishing. And just like our bodies have evolved through thousands and thousands and thousands of years and adaptations, we have evolved moral instincts and we've evolved certain adaptations where those of us that were born with a sense of nothing wrong with murder, blah, blah, blah. Those people don't tend to do well in society. They tend to be ostracized. They don't tend to marry and reproduce and make more of themselves. They tend to be weeded out. And the people that get along well with others, the people that have what you could call cooperative values, Mm -hmm. values that lend to a productive society and towards relationships and that like allow sustaining them,
0: life and
1: exactly that allow them mm-hmm. to reproduce and put off more of their offspring they're the ones that tend to happen mm-hmm. now you have that process happen over thousands and thousands of years and generations mm-hmm. the people that end up together are the ones that are byproducts of all the people that believe that the values in those positive values mm-hmm. and so just like our physical bodies evolve our mental tendencies have also evolved because those just as much a part of our genetics our mental capacity for
2: mm-hmm.
1: love and con and affection and and uh, um, jealousy and, and uh, you know all of these different emotions that we feel you'll notice some emotions are stronger in certain people and some are weaker in others but the ones the people that have the most likable emotions are the ones that are most likely to reproduce, right, because they Mm -hmm. get along well with other people Mm -hmm. and their offspring tend to have more of their parents' attributes and keeps on going Mm -hmm. and I do think there's a scientific um, component to morality being what it is today it's literally a byproduct of natural selection, selecting for the people that have the most likable attributes
0: and for surviving as a community and culture and and people
1: we we can look at what mm-hmm. in any given question what's the right answer what's the moral answer well which answer contributes the most to human flourishing that would be the right answer it should say not even necessarily human flourishing because mm-hmm. we could say well you know what about dog fighting or something like that it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with human flourishing per se but the the well-being of conscious creatures and you know, if if for me to destroy your coffee table right now, it's an amoral act. There's no morality involved in that act,
2: mm-hmm.
1: other than the fact that it might hurt you that I did that. Yeah, right. You might be yeah sad that I did that, and so the it's it would be an immoral thing for me to destroy your coffee table without your consent because because it's your property. I didn't consent to you about it. It could create a problem between us. It would make bring sadness, mm-hmm. um, it would bring... And it strife, wouldn't sustain
0: our relationship. Which so would, the basis right.
1: of being good mm-hmm. is about what promotes well-being mm-hmm. in okay. conscious creatures. Okay. It has nothing to do with dictates from a okay. God. And another way to, to illustrate this, think about you go into a crowded restaurant. This is an example from Matt Dillahunty. He, he says, you know, you tell a kid who's being really noisy, like they're just throwing food everywhere, just Making a fool of themselves. Picture like Nova, just mm-hmm. really my my four year old. She's just making a scene in the restaurant, right? Be really loud, and noisy. You know, if I tell her, you need to be quiet, because if you be quiet, I will give you a cookie. You know, or I'll I'll reward mm-hmm. you somehow. So she be she's quiet, and then she gets the cookie in the end, and the the outcome I wanted was brought about. I alternatively I could sell her. Right now, you are making it hard for other people to enjoy their meal. What if other people were shouting around you, would you like that? And I try to, to put in perspective
2: mm-hmm.
1: why she should be quiet in the restaurant, mm-hmm. not just give her incentive to be done. Mm-hmm. And the way the Christian God dictates morality in the Bible, it's this is what you need to do right and wrong. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. If you're good, you get rewarded. If you're mm-hmm. wrong, you get punished, blah, blah, blah. Never does it say why. Never is it about the reasoning and which is the more moral child in the restaurant—the child mm-hmm. that does it because they realize that their actions impact mm-hmm. other
2: people—and
1: mm-hmm. why should I think of why should I make this decision mm-hmm. as opposed to the child is mm-hmm. just like what do I get out of this or mm-hmm. okay I'm going to follow the rules until at such time as I get my then reward. Then I get a cookie,
0: yeah. And that's yeah, where
1: morality see that. comes from. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not moral at all to mm-hmm. base your decisions on what did God tell me to do. That's not moral. Now you're just following rules.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Morality is when you realize what your actions can do to other people and making the decision to do the thing that promotes the most well-being among the most people. Mm-hmm. That's the moral decision. Nothing to do with following the rules. Mm-hmm. And so secular morality is far superior to a God-dictated morality.
0: Okay, that sounds like a really great dissertation on that. <laughs> Good job. Okay, so I have one more thought. Um, so just to finish the thought before, I'm hopeful that maybe some parent that is, you know, not able to hear from their kid, you know, and there's a dissidence there that maybe they can hear in this podcast something you say or something somebody else says that will help them understand better because um I really do appreciate how well you articulate yourself and I'm sure it's a lot of thousands of hours of learning and listening and um but I do appreciate it and a lot of what you say makes a lot of sense I have to say I and I don't have an answer for some of it you know um And I can't really think of somebody who does. I know there are people who do claim to have answers that are very intelligent and have PhDs in philosophy. And the philosophy professor at my school is a believer at one of the colleges I teach at. And I find that interesting, you know. And um we're developing a relationship, you know, a talk where we've had some really good talks. But um, And I plan to interview him and talk to him about those things. But... <sighs> Yeah, at this point, honey, you haven't converted me yet, but, you know,
1: I appreciate it. what is it that, I'm curious, what is it that, other than it's what you're used to, mm. what makes you, if you stepped outside of yourself for a second, would, if you started life all over again, dropped into place where mm. you're at, would you choose okay. to become I, a believer?
0: I can't, I can't really know that. Right. Okay. But, I guess... Before you said if you started your life all over, before you went there, you said, "What is it? I saw myself. I just got this picture in my mind mm-hmm. of my faith and my idea of God so intricately married to me, you and who am my you identity, yourself. who I am as a person, who I, yeah. how I live my life, how my life is informed, how I that." Um,
1: isn't that a byproduct of time though? Uh,
0: well, I don't know. But I'm just saying it's so it it's would be really hard to extrap- extrapolate. Yeah. Is that the word I'm looking for? You're so much better at bigger words than I am. But um, it's almost like uh, you know, I hate to always refer to Josiah, but when when the brain surgeon said you know, at this point his brain tumor is so entwined with his brain stem, yeah. I can't separate them out. Okay? So I kind of feel my relationship with God is such a core part of who I am. Um, and it, when I say informs my life, I don't mean I wouldn't be kind without it or I wouldn't. Sure. But it just lights my way. I, I sense that it lights my way. You know, my every day for me, Ryan, truly is an adventure. Okay. I, <clears throat> every person I see, it's an encounter. It's a chance that I get to have to make somebody smile or make somebody happier. And not because I'm just sending you this amazing person. I've always seen that as it's my job to be light in this dark world, you know? And well, that we- comes from a place of God, you know, is that because my cultural background? Very possibly. Okay, maybe I can give you that. Maybe it's my frame have, of reference.
1: Well, it seems to me like what you call God is really more of a, almost like a vivacity or vibrance, a spiritual vibrance that you have. I do feel that spiritual vibrance. vibrance right? Well, what if I were to ask you but any it's an kind of doctrinal question, I don't think you necessarily buy into it. If I were, You obviously don't believe in hell. What well, it, what, I don't
0: believe – I believe that when Jesus died on a cross, he did whatever it took to obliterate that. Did Jesus
1: have to die on a cross in order for people
0: – I don't believe Jesus had to. I believe Jesus did because he knew that's what people understood. That God said, fine, you want to sacrifice? You've been killing animals all these years. Let me give you a final sacrifice. Okay. So we can just call it done.
1: So Jesus didn't have to die for, to redeem mankind.
0: I don't that doesn't make sense to me at this Does point mankind in my life. I
1: need to be redeemed at all.
0: That that really doesn't make sense to me either right now to be really honest.
1: Is there a heaven? What happens after you die? I and
0: believe we're we're one with God. We're released from this mortal body and we are spirit and we are connected with God and we just exist forever. And I don't think we'll be playing golf and um well, maybe, I don't know, can spirits do those things?
1: What is a spirit? Where do you get this idea of a spirit? Why do you think there is such thing as a spirit in the first place?
0: Mm. Okay, you know where I get it from? Funerals. Will you ever see a body in a casket? Yeah. Okay. They're not there.
1: Right, because they're dead.
0: Well, <laughs> I get that. They're dead. But...
1: I'm a lot less expressionless in i <laughs> than I am when I'm here, but I mean,
0: I get that. But do you know how like their body's there, the the person you knew is there, but they seen a baby are not there.
1: That is sleeping so soundly. You yeah, have to they still know. They sure. still feel there, though. Do you make you no, make, they really you still told feel me this, there. Where you were like you when you, when I was oh born, I did yeah you were like, I was oh, worried. I make sure he's still alive. Is he breathing? And you put I your did. Ear down yeah, and you make sure because you couldn't tell.
0: Mother's well, a paranoid first mother. You can you still see tell. see people in a the
1: casket, they've been through makeup and they've been through embalmed. I mean, there's all kinds of crap.
0: Honey, they look so dead. I mean, well, they are dead. <laughs> I mean, they are dead. But I'm saying, you have this sense. I don't, do you not have that sense? Wow, they're gone.
1: If you took that person out, if mm-hmm. you took a person who died in their bed, mm-hmm. right? And you went and you observed them moments after they passed.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard they yeah, weigh less.
1: Moments before they. Passed. I
0: heard they weigh less, like a certain no, amount of. Are you
1: this, sure? This, you're talking about the 21 grams.
0: Yes, I am. The, the oh, that was just. I heard it. It's, I heard you weigh less when you die because your spirit oh, leaves your oh, body. Never been. Any Even if it's wind. Even if it's wind. Like wind.
1: Why oh. would you have wind inside? Where would the wind be?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it's your breath. Your breath, because your breath is life.
1: Okay, but you exhale, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't inhale again.
1: <laughs> That's right, Mom.
0: Oh, <laughs> no that. Oh,
1: because oh, you're dead. My point is. I'm sorry. There, if there is a uh-huh. spirit, where does the spirit reside? In the brain? No. Okay. Where is it? In some other organ inside of our body? Is it? No. Is it? Is it exist in the physical world at all? No. So it's associated with our physical body, but it's in a separate. It's almost like there's like this. Link. It's
0: like okay. I always heard this. It's like an orange and a fruit. No, that was the whole Trinity. No, it's like no, no. No, like God was like the peeling and the juice and the pulp. Okay. No, 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 no. I live in. I I have a spirit. No, I have a soul. No, I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. So I always understood it to be that my soul is my personality, okay. Okay? my mind, my will, and my emotions. And that is housed in a physical body, but that's not who I am.
1: Now, you're aware of what a lobotomy is, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I could right. literally go into your brain and yeah. cut out your personality. You would be a totally different right. person if I were to cut out a certain part of your brain. Mm-hmm. People have had tumors that com- cause them to Change their personality, in right. incredibly different ways. They're entirely right. different persons.
0: So is their soul change? That doesn't There's make no sense.
1: Soul. There's no spirit. It's all brain function. Consciousness and our personality is a function of the brain matter we have inside of our head. But
0: you definitely have a personality. Because some <laughs> right. people are... Which like... is a,
1: developed in our brain. We develop personality. But why are
0: some people jackasses
1: then? That? that's the genetics that cause their brain to form no. in that way.
0: No. Why yeah.
1: You can make someone into a jackass by tinkering with their brain. You can make them angry. You can make them compliant. You can make them everything. And every personality attribute you can control mm-hmm. in the brain. And the obviously, we're pretty rudimentary in, our, in how... Much we know, and what part? Yeah, and like genetically
0: disposed to certain personalities. If your personality and spirit was
1: completely unique and independent and assigned by God, why does it tend? Was our personalities tend to follow similarities with our parents? Because it's genetics, it's genes. It's 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 no different than the way. Oh my, I have my dad's hand. Okay, but
0: I'm not talking about your personality really being your spirit. I guess I've always believed that your spirit is that that thing that is you, though that is recognizable.
1: Do you think? Do you have any reason to believe a spirit actually exists other than you were just told you have a spirit?
0: I really probably don't have proof except when I watch somebody in an open casket and they seem dead. That sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, they are dead. Yeah. I don't know, honey. No, I don't have a good answer for you right now, but I'll think about what she said.
1: The soul and spirit are both mm-hmm. bullshit words. That they're things that don't exist. There's There's you. But
0: are you okay, like, with... Not existing after you die.
1: That right there is why people want to hold on to this religion because it's so they're scared by this idea that I not existing. Well, I don't exist in South America right now, but I don't give a shit about that. Why? Because I'm not there. I don't care. So if I were to die, but wouldn't there be
0: more hope? Like, wouldn't there be? Can you imagine? Wouldn't that make you feel better? If like I died, and no, you would make you feel better if you could see me.
1: Because no. first of all, who, which you went on to live? Was it the you that existed before I came along? Is it the you that exists right now in this moment? Is it the you that exists at the moment of death? Which you is it that goes on to the afterlife?
0: Is it the me that wouldn't let you listen to Boys to Men? <laughs> yeah, I don't want that you. <laughs> yeah. Not that I care
3: about
1: you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I can imagine the world existed before I got here. Why is it so hard to imagine the world existing after I'm gone? It's don't it's this
0: So are you saying that's narcissistic kind of like or egocentric? Well, it's ecocentric. just like
1: it's wishful thinking because of course we want to think we live on forever. But that, there's no reason to think that actually happens. Like that's exactly what you would expect to tell people if you really want them what to believe What about people in who religion. get
0: like signs from people who die and go on, you know?
1: None of this has been verified scientifically.
0: I know people who have had signs like yeah, that. You know yeah, people I that tell.
1: have told you things that involve post hoc ra- rationalization and confirmation. Okay,
0: bias. I just did a funeral like a month ago by a river by a guy who fished all the time, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he committed suicide. It was really sad. And
1: A fish jumped right as they lowered him into the hole or something.
0: No, no, no fish jumped. <laughs> but when I started to talk about something... Um, I don't even remember what it was. My brain is a sieve sometimes. But when I started to say a certain thing that they kind of laughed, people started laughing. All of a sudden, these birds started just squawking. (laughs) Like weirdly. It was weird. And then they stopped and they didn't make another noise like for the next hour. Everybody there was like, oh my God, that was the guy. In the (laughs) birds? What? What? Saying it was like this weird thing that they felt like weird he was com- he was happen, communicating well. weird things happen. at a time when he would have laughed or had something to say about the thing the preacher okay. was saying at the funeral. Let's say you had, but I've heard of examples like all that, right, okay. or a little bird that sat on somebody's windowsill, yes, weird, and came back every day at the same time.
1: Seeming coincidences happen all the time. What let's say You had perfect knowledge about the entire situation, right? Mm-hmm. And you went your whole life believing that that guy's uh, spirit had come into the birds and he was just mocking and you know, had, trying to make light of a sad situation and that's just how he was and that was good old Al he was always like that he wouldn't have wanted us to be sad blah 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 and then somehow someday video security camera footage of that spot comes out and there was a security camera up on a telephone pole pointed down at you and you could see the birds in the camera and there was a raven that flew by and ravens are known to be territorial, and the other. So birds you're saying there was a squawking. reason for the bird started All of squawking. A sudden, it just
0: happened to be at the time.
1: Right, of course, there was a reason the bird started squawking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, if kind you knew about that kind of like the lady with reason, the
0: feathers. God's not a duck.
1: Well, she was obviously deceptive. But if you knew about that ra- reason, the raven that flew by, or some mm-hmm. insect that they were fighting over, mm-hmm. and happened to crawl by. And the birds are looking, what are they laughing about? The birds could have been thinking, what's going on? We are fighting over this worm that crawled out of a hole in the tree or something like that. Mm -hmm. If you had perfect information and knew everything that was happening and why the birds did that, you would stop believing it was the guy's spirit that went into those birds, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason why we believe that it was the spirit that was there is because we don't don't know know.
0: any other reason. that's the whole
1: reason we think God lets us do this, that other thing. Mm -hmm. We will always think that God lets us live forever because we can't know what it's like on the other side of death. Yeah. And so anytime we don't know the answer, we can always just say, well, God does X, Y, Z. That's why it is. So, okay. It's the God of the gaps.
0: Is there a possibility that I'm right and you're wrong?
1: Always a possibility. But should we believe in a god that obviously is so full of holes and logical fallacies and inconsistencies does that make sense I don't or should know. we wait to find out if it's really true before we start believing in him
0: mm-hmm. i mean is there a record and i th- i know there is of you atheists about- who have been converted to back to being a believer
1: i'm sure there are
0: sure why would they do that
1: because we're all we're all I mean, intelligent. To, we're all subject <sighs> to being influenced by certain people or certain things certain arguments or
0: circumstances or.
1: Right, you but know. that says nothing about whether or not a god exists. Just mm-hmm. because someone has been, someone's mind has been changed about one thing or another, there have been there have been Christians that have converted to Islam. Does that mean Islam's correct? Mm-hmm. You know that, that that doesn't. This doesn't say anything mm-hmm. about the nature of reality. Okay. To say Fair somebody enough. was convinced of it. But I got you. If, if shouldn't we want to care about believing true things?
0: Yes, absolutely. I, we agree with that. I agree with and that. And so
1: how do we establish? how do we identify if something is true or not? How do we know what's true?
0: I guess I would go back to my my reasons so we want to believe the most plausible thing, okay? My reasons for believing in God are more metaphysical, yours are more scientific. Yours for not believing.
1: What reason do you have for believing in God, period? Besides, it makes me feel good. Besides, I like believing in God, or I like the idea of there being a God. Because obviously, those aren't reasons. I like the idea of a tooth fairy, but that doesn't mean there's a tooth fairy, right? Mm -hmm. So what reasons do you have for believing in God that don't involve it feels good?
0: Okay, it's not about feeling good it's a sense it's an a sense of an awareness of something else other than me
1: but, but uh, anything do you have now, any reason to believe in God that doesn't involve your feelings
0: um no
1: like you would agree if there's water on Mars there's water on Mars whether we feel there is or not whether we found it or not if it's true that there's water on Mars mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what we think about it right it is what it is. And you would agree that if there is a God, yeah. whether we feel he's there or we feel he's not there, it doesn't change the fact that he is, right? Our feelings right. about it don't change him.
0: Right. Because if he's so real and true and it, it exists, even if you don't think he's there, it doesn't mean that he's not.
1: Exactly. We can't change his existence by, by our belief him, or not. Feeling him into or out of existence. I right? agree with that. So if you can't feel God into existence, then give me a reason for his existence that mm-hmm. don't involve feelings
0: mm-hmm. because and I don't really have anything that I can think of to give you um, other than you know
1: it sure is convenient creation,
0: the it's universe to
1: answer all the questions we don't all know all these things
0: I don't know how they got here
1: boom, God takes care of it all it, that's why it's super convenient to have God because he fills in all of the why don't knows he fills in what happens after yeah. we die. He fills in, why did my kid get better all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. He fills in the, oh, why was I able to land this great deal on the mortgage on the perfect house when I mm-hmm. blah, 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 and I barely looked for it. I just happened to come across it one day and mm-hmm. uh, it answers all these questions that we, d- we don't know. And, but we ignore all of the, all of the terrible things that could have been answered by God that He didn't seem to want to answer the prayers of you know. And
0: And I can see that that seems really inconsistent and I hope I can find somebody that has a better answer than I have because I don't really have one for that. But I appreciate you articulating those concerns and I'm hoping somebody else will appreciate hearing that. You know. And like I said, some other parent can hear it from you easier than they can their own kid.
1: Sure.
0: You know.
1: And ultimately if they understand that Every search for God should be rooted in genuine interest, curiosity, Mm -hmm. using reason. Mm -hmm. That's what should be the foundation for all of this. And so for some other parent that has a kid who's questioning in much the same way, it's probably because they're actually... Using their brain to determine mm-hmm. what is actually going on instead mm-hmm. of just swallowing the pill that they've been fed their whole life.
0: Right, which is a great thing. And I, I take comfort, you may think this is weird, but in the fact that you told me once, Mom, I want to believe every true thing.
1: As many true things, as, and as few th- false things as possible. Yes. I mean
0: and, yeah. and you I don't even know if you said it that But you just said, I just want to believe everything that's true. You know, so from a Christian parent perspective, you know, the scripture says, if you seek me, you'll find me. You know, if you seek truth, you're going to find the truth. So my faith hasn't been in you. My faith has more been, if God is real, it's in God to show you because it's not my job. I can't convert you. I'm not as intelligent as you. I can't say. I don't have answers for what you're saying. I I would challenge, you know, that's the criticism that I've had with the podcast I did with David and Dogma debate. Well, you didn't give good answers to David when he asks you some of these questions. He posed some of the same questions, posed them to me. And um I've asked several people, Christians, what answer would you've given? Well, I don't have one either. Well, okay, you know, well, you shouldn't have just said, I don't know. Well, what should I have said? Right. Well, I don't know. And I said, don't you ever lay awake at night and wonder, what if God isn't real? Have you ever had that thought? Because even as a pastor, I've had that thought. And I've talked to other pastors who have had that thought. And two people I asked that they said well of course I have and then about the need for blood David and I talked about that for a, quite a while and um, somebody got upset with me for that because you mess with the atonement you know it's pretty serious right. stuff and um, I said well have you ever wondered why did God need blood well of course I have <laughs> but I was the bad person for saying it, you know, for right. for bringing it up. Well, especially so when
1: you're on the spot in a podcast, yeah, and a conversation.
0: Well, no, and I didn't feel like he put me on the spot, but I no, but
1: I, to come up with an answer. Yeah, didn't I didn't know he was going to. Yeah, that.
0: and I don't, I don't really have an answer, but that hasn't doesn't mean I'm not a believer at this point in my life. So I,
1: so what? I think that ultimately, this is, all comes down to. You you really can't get to God with logic and reason.
0: I don't believe you can. I don't I don't and I believe for you to require me to have that Doesn't make sense. I, it doesn't make sense. I don't think it's something I would ever be able to give you. And and I haven't felt the need to have it all figured out logically. Sure. I, I'm pretty much okay with it not having a real logical reason. Now, I do have this thought in the back of my mind a lot. How much of my belief – and that this is where I'm going to get in trouble for admitting this, okay? Um, and by, t- by saying – and I guess I was leading to the point that in our conversation, I I haven't had these answers for you. Um, and some people are going to say, well, you know, is your son converting you. You know, because that's what I heard on Dogma Debate. Well, it just sounds like you were being converted by David, not vice yeah. versa but i have had this thought you know how much of what i believe is just what i was raised in my frame of reference mm-hmm. frame of reference is a really powerful thing um but also you can live in the same family you know and have a completely different frame of reference about the exact same set of circumstances you know mm-hmm. and um it's a very individual thing but it's also a very powerful thing and it's it's how much of what I believe is simply my frame of reference. It's what I was raised in, what I was told from a very formidable age. But do you
1: care if it's true or not? That still doesn't get to the reality of whether it's true. Yeah, I mean, we all have... Well, what if I don't
0: feel that same need to prove or to logically prove that it's true? That's
1: why I asked earlier, do you care if what you believe is true or not?
0: I do believe... I do care about what I believe is true. And I do believe what I believe is true.
1: Could you see yourself? Doesn't everybody believe
0: what what they believe is true? I mean, doesn't everybody believe what they believe is true?
1: Yeah, although I I think it's kind of backwards. I think if you... You're, you believe because you've been convinced it's true. You believe something because mm. it's true. You can't believe something if you don't think that's. See,
0: the case. that's kind of the difference between me and the type of Christian I always wanted to be uh, when I was a kid. Because I was raised in it from zero on,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I was always really jealous of like the hooker or the drug addict or the really bad alcoholic seriously i wanted a testimony Mm -hmm. i wanted a bad testimony i was once a prostitute i have now been saved by the blood of jesus at least you have to have fun for a while right well no at least you had something to repent from right like there's this contrast right so it's like wow
1: well let me ask you this because but
0: i never got that i mean i flipped my brother with a towel at four and so that was all i repented from
1: Could you see yourself getting to a point where you're like, okay, I can see why it doesn't make sense to believe that a God exists, but it brings a lot of color and beauty to my life, and it helps me relate to my group of friends and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to continue to basically like a...
0: Let me change your first sentence. Your first sentence didn't sit right with me. What did you say? I can see why... Believing in God doesn't make sense.
1: If you said to me, if, if I were, say, I, I, you know, we, we had more of these talks, and eventually you got to the point where you're like, you're right, I can't say that I necessarily believe that it makes any sense that a God would have done all these things, and it doesn't make any logical sense to me. But I like being a believer, and it helps me. make sense of the world. To have this imaginary friend that I talk to, even if you wouldn't use that term, but in the same way, having an imaginary friend helps a child get through their day because they have somebody there mm-hmm. that they can talk to. It's that same kind of comfort that it brings me. So I'm just going to do you could you see yourself getting to that point or would genuinely being convinced that he wasn't there kill it for you?
0: Ugh. Again?
1: almost like being culturally Jewish, right? Where like, okay, we'll go and yeah, celebrate like Bagel Jew. <laughs> right, but I don't really believe in all yeah. that stuff. Non-or- yeah. You know? Non-Orthodox. But they still show. go to the Satyrs Okay, and but Okay, Passover.
0: but for me to turn my back on that, I have to turn my back on let's say that imaginary friend who when I was 10, 11, or 12 years old and being abused helped me through every second of that. Now, for you, it's just an imaginary friend. For me, it was Jesus.
1: But doesn't this get to the question of, do you care if it's true or not? That's what I'm saying. Because it sounds like if you're willing to say, my imaginary friend helped me, whether it's true or not, I don't care, it helps me. Well, then you don't really care if it's true or not. And so your focus is more on what makes life easy, what helps me in my day-to-day life. Because if that's the case, then, you know, I have nothing for you. I mean, faith is faith. It's just, I think Mark Twain said, faith is believing what you know ain't so. It's like, I know this isn't necessarily true per se, but because mm-hmm. it helps me, I'm going to go about believing it. And this is...
0: I don't know, honey. I have to think um, about that. I have yeah. to think about that. That's a fair question, right? It's not something I can just...
1: Because to me, I could never... I can't, under, I can't bring myself to, or at least I can't recognize any scenario in which I could ever accept the the knowledge that something is one way but still believe it's another way. It sounds like that'd be mm-hmm. too much cognitive dissonance to live my life like that.
0: But you've had that revelation that it's not true. I I am not there. And I I am my identity is such a part of my relationship with God. That it's hard for me to even imagine that. I mean, it's hard for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm past being pissed off at you that you want me to, okay? I'm
1: I'm I'm honestly not convinced that you genuinely think that there is a triune godhead that sent a son to die for his creation and... Basically, the whole Christian story, I'm genuinely convinced that you're not necessarily into buying into that. You're into more of this. There's something out there, and he watches out for me to a certain extent. But not too much because there's people that suffer. So he can't, I mean, I think as soon as you start investigating what you really believe, you start realizing there's all kinds of holes in what you're believing. And your identity is so much wrapped in it that you're, this is more about you than it is about God. It's Kathy the pastor. It's Kathy the one who's I don't need to be counselor. that. I mean, no, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. because that's how you've been for so long, you mm-hmm. can't imagine yourself any other way. You can't imagine. Something.
0: I think no, no, no. I think I think my beliefs have changed definitely to where I see. I have believed at this point that there is a God. That reveals himself to, in every culture, to every people group, in every way, and that he's not limited to a certain personality of a god. Like, um,
1: what do you mean every culture? Okay, anyway, so Native like, Americans had no concept of a monotheistic god.
0: No, but they had Hindus have no creation. concept
1: of a monotheistic god. Right right so I mean, but
0: I- does god not okay so i heard this line in the movie the shack which i didn't watch but somebody told me about the line okay and it said in the movie god's a black woman okay yeah that's w-
3: the line
0: or? no in the movie oh, okay. god is a black woman and somebody asks her is it true all paths lead to you And I guess she says, this is what I heard she said, no, a lot of paths lead nowhere. But it's true, I would follow any path to reach you. I know that just made your brain curl. But what I'm saying is that that made sense to me and that the God that makes sense to me is a God that is not limited by a religion. That he is able to reveal himself to every person that's ever lived and ever will live. His awareness, his presence, his
1: But he has the ability to reveal himself. Literally reveal himself.
0: To you know, like he could person. actually show up, is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: He could take over your phone and be like, Hey, Kathy, mm-hmm. it's me God. mm mm-hmm. Just want you to know that I'm I'm real.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In case you ever doubted, that's all I need you to know. Mm-hmm. I've got everything under control. So if he does Goodbye. it for you
0: someday, you know you better let me know.
1: I'm saying if he has the ability to do that, if he genuinely wants a relationship with you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: why would he even give you the opportunity to doubt? It, it, none of it makes. Any... I
0: think doubt is is a good thing. Really? Yeah, I do.
1: But if he's really real, because it makes you
0: examine, right? I think yeah. I, I think if he's real, we, he can handle doubt.
1: Well, I'm sure he can handle it. If he's it, not scrut he can't whatever, be scrutinized, you know. He is losing people from him when they start to doubt Christianity and transfer, or convert to some other belief system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But certainly that doesn't help him have a better relationship with them when they, you know, because they, oh, I, I just kind of fell into a group of pagan friends and I'm going to go show up at their little solstice festival and we're going to do a little... Fire dance, whatever the hell it is, they do. I mean, <laughs> is is that helping them get closer to God as they deconvert away from it?
0: Well, if I, you know, if it's helping them become closer to each other, possibly.
1: The only reason that you can genuinely say that you still believe is because of faith. Yeah. Right. You're not pointing to any scientific. Reason. No,
0: I have no scientific logical reason. And to show you
1: is there anything that you could say that you couldn't or is there anything you couldn't say that you take on faith or anything that you couldn't believe based on faith elves live 30 feet below the surface of the earth the entire world around
0: Okay, maybe. Okay. How you
1: know? Well, I take it on faith. Is there aliens? You aliens. Ali- aliens exist. No,
0: I think aliens might exist. I don't they know. Probably
1: do, but that's not. You're not using faith to determine that, right? You're just using probabilistic methods, right? Yeah. The likelihood that they're I'm is, not putting
0: my faith in an alien. I'm putting my faith in God too. It's not just right. But you believe exists. he
1: exists. Mm-hmm. Because you you are choosing to believe he exists in mm-hmm. the same way. Mm-hmm. I could say you know, Bertrand Russell's teapot. There's a teapot orbiting Saturn right now. You can't prove to me it doesn't exist. I'm going to take it on faith that it does exist, mm-hmm. that it's there. Uh, I, I I take it on faith that, that um, fairies live in the woods and they send their energy out into the suburbs at night to restore whatever. You could say literally anything and say you take it on faith. hmm and so
2: if what we makes know, that different?
1: there's nothing about faith that is a pathway to truth. Mm-hmm. Faith doesn't give us that's the That's true. I would agree all, with you. Right? right? Faith is just, that's the reason you give when you mm-hmm. don't have a good reason. Otherwise, you would give that reason. If you had a good reason, you'd give that instead of saying, I take mm-hmm. it on faith. Faith is when you don't have any reasons and you mm-hmm. run out of reasons for it. You just say, well, I, I still want to believe it.
0: And the Bible says to give reason for your faith.
1: Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. At all to me, like the. I mean. Well, it's says you're supposed to, be, sense, you supposed to
0: be. Is just supposed to, you know? I believe that's what it said. Justify
1: why you believe, right? You're supposed but to be you, able to give an account for what you believe. Why you believe? Why you really believe. justify it? Why would you have faith? What What's the faith for? Mhm. You know what I mean. Mhm. Maybe so, that's
0: not the way it's worded. I have to look it up. David was just talking about the other day. All right, honey, we have to end this thing. It's been long. (laughs) I love you, though. I think it's been interesting enough, right? Maybe. We'll see. We'll find out.
3: I I love you. Thanks for talking to me.